0: We worship through gathering, through the very nature of, of coming together, submitting to one another in love. We have worshiped uh, through singing, uh, singing songs, proclaiming truths about who God is, uh, what He's done, and how we are to respond. And in a little while, we will we'll worship through listening to the proclamation of God's Word, the, uh, the reading and preached Word. And, but for right now, we're going to enter into a time where we worship through communion, uh, and communion, also called the Last Supper, it's this, it's the this, this sacred time, the sacred meal, practiced throughout the the history of the Christian Church, um, and it's a celebration of this time when, when Jesus and his disciples uh, got to take their, their last little bit of time together, and and they share this meal, and there had been a, a way of doing things for quite some time. There, they, you know, it, it was the Passover. And and the people would come together, and and it was it had gotten kind of I don't know if maybe it had gotten ritualistic for these folks. I'm not really sure, but but Jesus comes and he breathes new life into this because it new meaning. He says the old way has passed, the new way has come, and he invites the people into that new way of living, this new way of being, and he says, put to death the old ways and continue to live in the new. And so by Um, We've got the the elements set up to your right and to your left. And the way that we do communion here is what's called open communion. So if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you to come to this meal. And by doing that, what you do is you say that, yes, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm going to follow your ways. We're going to get a little bit into the commands today. Um, But it's saying, yes, Lord, I submit my life to you. I surrender to you. I place all of my trust in you. I confess my sins to you and I will live life in and through you. So I want you to just take the, the next few moments and, uh, and I just want you to think about who Jesus is in your life. I know that some of us we're coming in here and we're man, we're just kicking around the tires of the faith. Some of us have have been following the Lord for some time, but regardless of where you're at on that spiritual spectrum, we all have the need to reflect on who Jesus is and what He's done, who God is and, and what God has called us to do, and who this Holy Spirit is and how it's working in our life. And so just take a few moments um, to reflect on those, those questions. Reflect on, on your life, past couple days, past couple weeks, past couple months. How are you doing? What is your disposition toward the Lord? And then as you're prepared, come forward, grab the elements, have a seat, and then we will read some Scripture and partake of the meal together. Heavenly Father, you've instituted this this meal and command that we share it with one another. And throughout time, it has been one of the, the distinct factors of of Your church and of Your people. Young, old, rich, poor, healthy, sick have all come together and celebrated it. And in a way that only You can, it sets us apart. And so Lord, by taking this meal, would You set us apart? In this time of reflection, Holy Spirit, would You work in our lives speak to our hearts that we would know the truth about who Jesus is. What God has called us to do and how to live. So the last time that they were all together, Jesus, knowing that uh, these, these 12 folks that he'd been walking around with, these 12 folks that had kind of become his best friend, knowing that that one of them would would deny that they even knew him and one of them would betray him and hand him over to the authorities to be crucified. He still takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them and says, take, eat, this is my body. Knowing the grievous nature of of their sin and our sin, later in the meal he takes the cup, gives thanks and gives it to them saying, drink of it all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you that you alone forgive our sins, and that you do indeed forgive our sins. That your grace abounds further than our sin. And Lord, we thank you that by this meal, you enter into... You bring us into your covenant where we have a chance of life. Amen. There's a bucket that will come around. You can toss your cups in there. Kids, this is the time of the service where you get to head out this direction. Uh, Miss Rachel and Miss Sandy have a great time planned for you back there. So Lord, we thank you for these kids, the opportunity to serve them. We pray that uh, they would grow up further bearing your image. You've, been, you've called them to be made in your image and you've, ca- you've given us the opportunity to grow them and to disciple them and I pray that we would not take that call lightly okay we are uh, in matthew chapter 5 mr kurt's going to come on up and read us our scripture passage for the day as we get underway if you want to flip to matthew that is in the new testament so it'll be kind of in the back third of a paper bible the words will be on the screen behind us or if you want to follow along on your mobile device feel free to pull that out at this time and do so and without further ado
1: so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same Will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to these to, to those of old, You shall not murder, or whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Sir, so if you, offer, you are offering your gift at the altar, and they're remembered that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, first will be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser, while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that is what is said. You should not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, Tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife it is his footstool or by jerusalem for it is the city of the great king and do not take an oath by your head for you cannot make it on you cannot make one hair white or black let what you say be simple yes or no anything more than that comes from evil you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but i say to you do not resist the one who is evil but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek turn to him the other also. And if anyone will sue and take you tonic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax the collectors, do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing doing them others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect.
0: Thanks, Kurt. So, uh, got a very important question here on Barbecue Potluck Sunday. Uh, what kind of salt are you? I'm a, uh, are you kind of like on your steaks? Or are you just kind of S&P? That's, that's what it is for me? Or do you... Uh, you know, maybe uh, i been kind of a Lowry's guy myself. That's kind of been a, a family staple on my mom's side, especially. We do some, some baked potatoes that way. Um, or maybe you just do iodized salt, standard, or maybe a little little garlic salt. got this uh, Tasty Burger seasoning from, I guess that's French fry seasoning, not really a salt. But uh, kind of the same thing. Anybody want to share? You're just going to get out there. You want to keep your recipe to yourself. We're all going to see it in just a little bit. We're all going to know what's going on. Uh, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to uh, to eating some some food off the grill with you all. Okay, so Matthew chapter five, what Kurt just read. So that's a that's a chunk out of this what's called the Sermon on the Mount. We just finished the Beatitudes last week, where we talked about Jesus as as the Master who who's giving us the kingdom of heaven. He's, you know, he's giving us ownership, um, and that, that should change the way that we operate. And so and so I just want to take a little bit of time and look at what he's doing here. So he's going through, and he's, and he's saying, hey, I'm... Uh, uh, and he's, he's, he's going through, and, and, and we look at it, and he's, he's going, you've heard this, and I say this, and you've heard this, and I say that. And so Matthew's continued to, as we've talked about, Kind of set Jesus up as the Messiah, as the one that the Old Testament prophets had talked about. And throughout the first couple of chapters, we've seen that he's used this language that's very akin to a lot of the Old Testament verbiage to to help people see that uh, this was would have been a Jewish audience who had been fairly familiar with with what Jesus was saying. And so, the kind of how he's so we see that that Jesus is using this language that's. Kind of akin to Moses, he's, he's speaking on the mountain like Moses did. And he's giving these commands like Moses did. Except for he's doing it a little bit differently. And he says, you've heard it said this, I say this. And now if you're a uh, an ancient Near Easterner, if you're a first century uh, Jewish, li- Jewish listener, you'd hear this and you'd go that's different because in our culture right we we share our opinions as though they're fact right we have blogs we have twitter we have uh facebook we have all sorts of different mediums and and different news outlets that will articulate things and say them as fact and you kind of pick your poison your opinion can be backed well in jesus's day it was a little bit different you always had to cite your source and so you say well this guy said this And you kind of pull from a lot of other people. And so it was never really you speaking authoritatively. It was always you sharing someone else's idea. And so Jesus does something a little bit unique here. And he speaks authoritatively. And and Matthew uses that to, to back his claim that, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the one who can speak with authority and does so. And then what does he do? He takes the law of Moses and he kind of ups the ante, right? Like you'd think that, you know, if you wanted to make it a little bit easier for the people to follow the rules that they've not been able to follow for the last 1500 years at this point, you'd maybe back it off a little bit. But no, Jesus says, yeah, I know that uh, Moses said, don't kill people. Well, that's kind of a basic, right? Right. Uh, that's, you know, every culture throughout time, most cultures throughout time have said killing people is bad. Especially, the, you know, the people like your neighbor. You shouldn't do that. That's bad. You know, maybe, maybe your enemy, that's okay. But neighbor, no, we don't kill them. And Jesus says, actually, if you're angry with someone, that's on the same level. And then he just, he keeps moving down. He says, uh, yeah, I know that, you know, we think it's not a great idea to sleep around. Yeah, that's kind of accepted. Um, he says, actually, uh, if, you, if you look at someone with lustful intentions in your heart, that's out. That's the, that's the same sin. So those fantasies that you've been having, the pornography that you've been watching, that's, that's off the table. That's not acceptable. Divorce, he says we can't just faithlessly slip away from people. You've got to uphold marriage and uphold dignity and you've got to stay we've got to work at our relationships. And he says, oaths, so you said, you know, we're gonna swear this oath, and he says, you know, don't butter people up or don't say, Oh, I, I swear by XYZ thing to try to convince people that that you're gonna do what you're gonna do. Just just do it. Just have integrity. And he moves to retaliation and he says, hey, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Hey, no, I'm just telling you, don't fight back. Your identity isn't found in that. And then this is the one that really would have flipped people on their head. Love your enemies. I don't know if you've ever watched any movies that have shown like Roman soldiers, but they're, they're a ruthless crew. And Israel had been on the receiving end of that brutality for quite some time, and so Jesus is saying, love your enemy. You know that guy that came in here and took your land and, and uh, killed some people in your family and did all this? Yeah, love him. Yep. You don't get to hate him. You don't get to be angry at him. You don't get to retaliate against him. You're called to love him. Jesus, the reconciler, makes the way so that we can, we can live reconciled lives to God, And calls us to reconcile lives with one another. And so by doing this, he kind of gets at our hearts, doesn't he? Like, as we go through that list, are there there some that just kind of make you squirm a little bit? We're like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to kill anybody, but I am kind of angry at someone. Or, you know, is there something that just kind of makes you squirm a little bit? And what Jesus is doing here is he's exposing our heart's reaction, right? What are we going to do? We're going to go, well you know i um at least I, you know you do something wrong and you go, well, at least i you know I didn't kill anybody, I'm not that bad of a person you know like i'm I'm no Hitler, I'm no choose your other terrorist, I'm no what you know I, yeah, I'm okay, right, or maybe we do it the other way where we go sure you know i I, I fudged a little bit over here you know i i, I you know I, I, Maybe I, I fudged a little bit on, on my taxes or whatever, but I, I gave a bunch of my time away over here and I did all these, these great things. So we either seek to downplay our sin or justify ourselves through what we've done as though either of those things matter or can save us. Jesus is who matters. Jesus is the balm of our soul. And so he calls us to be reconcilers. Why? Because that's who we are. We've been created in his image. And the very nature and image of God is that of reconciliation. We've been created in that image. And so therefore, we are also to live reconciled lives and reconcile with one another. Now, how does he do this? I want to ask a question. What comes first in this order, the blessings or the commandments? Jesus gets this hint from uh, from his from his dad, God the Father. Does this in the Old Testament? What comes first, the blessings or the commandments? If you've been here for for uh, for a while, does anyone remember when we did a casket empty? Okay, so what was, the C was, A was, S was, Sinai. So what happens at, at Sinai? What, what do we get? There's 10 of them. Commandments. What had happened prior to that? Where were the people? In Egypt, right? And what does God do? He rescues them. He calls them out of Egypt. Why is it? Because they're his people. He gives them the blessing first, then the commandments. He tells them who they are, and then he challenges them to be who they are. And so here, when you look at this list, at least when I look at it and I go, I can go down that and go, yeah, I'm I'm guilty as charged the whole way down every one of those commands, broken every one of them. What am I going to do with it? My righteousness is going to surpass the Pharisees? Those were some righteous dudes. How is this good news? Isn't the gospel supposed to be good news? I'm in a tight spot here. And Jesus is saying that by having faith in someone whose righteousness surpasses the Pharisees, we have hope. And then he goes on to, to tell us about, and, he, and this, is all, this all starts where? Where he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light to the world. And, it's, and he's, he's speaking collectively to this group. If we were in the south, he'd say, y'all are salt of the earth. Y'all are light of the world. But it's, so it's, while it's collective, it's also individual. You are the salt of the earth. You are. Are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so, and he's saying, This is who you are. This is who you've been created to be, and this is how you're to do it. So he always blesses first before he challenges. And so what is the nature of salt? Okay, if I'm making burgers like I was making last night, can I just have my patties over here and just Oh, the salt's out? Are they gonna taste am I gonna get any of this this nice flavorful substance on there? No. What if I like if I maybe wave it on the plate around it, sprinkle it around like a garnish? Does that work? Salt only works when you put it on something, when you have it in something, be it caramel, be it on the rim of a glass, watermelon, steak, burgers, I don't care, whatever you like to put it on, it only works when it's on and in something. And so Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth, and and what does salt do? Historically, before we had refrigerators, salt was used as a preservative. It's also used as a purifier, like an Epsom salt bath. Um... And it also, it, it kills things, right? Like a friend of mine used to never get poison ivy because he'd, he'd work landscaping, then he'd, he'd live by the ocean, so he'd go jump in the ocean. And it would clean his, and purify his skin and would kill all that bad stuff that was on there. That is the call of our lives as followers of Jesus. To purify what is good. To preserve the commands of God. And to push back against that which is evil and would seek to destroy life. Light is meant to shine in darkness, and sometimes we get tripped up on that. You know, we go, gosh, where, where am I supposed to go? I remember when I was in college, I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna, like, I, I went to the Minnesota School of Bartending, got my certification, and I was gonna go get a job bartending while I was in Bible college. And some people like, well, that seems kind of like, you got your wires crossed a little bit there. And I, tr- I want to justify it. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, it's this really cool ministry opportunity. No, it's a great way to make money and be social. And, you know, I'd, I was usually up late anyway. And it was interesting that when I tried to justify it that way of going, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do this thing. It, it was just like, I, I, f- I knew that I was, I was lying. But when I just said, no, I, I just, I needed a job and, and I went out and I did it. That is, able to have conversations with people was able to be that salt and that light into the world. Jesus says, "I will make you fishers of men." I'll make you catch. I'll make you catching. We'll be catching to society. So so often like I we make the mistake that I did where we, you know I'm trying to manipulate and be clever when it's Jesus saying, "No, just just be kind." You don't need to be creative because I am the creator. To be light and salty, you just need to, to be who I've created you to be. And so in that, who does the catching? Who makes us able to catch? Jesus does. It's this great. I don't know if you like cleaning fish. Some people are really into it. Some people aren't. Jesus makes this agreement: you catch him, I'll clean him. It's pretty grand. And so, how do we live a light and salty life? Through love and through faith. Love this whole-souled commitment to Jesus and protecting the other. It's looking at your neighbor and saying, God help me, I will not be angry with you. I will not lust over you. I will not faithlessly dip out on our relationship. I will not manipulate you with my promises. When you strike against me, I will not retaliate. And even if I have just just cause to disapprove of you, I will move toward you in love, and in Jesus' name, for the hope of reconciliation. But how do we do this? Faith in Jesus. Jesus' love is wide for us. Our faith should be deep in Him. And He doesn't expect us to do anything he hasn't already exemplified and that he doesn't enable us to do Jesus demonstrated how to follow each and every one of these commands. And because of His death on the cross and the Holy Spirit living within us now, we are able to follow these commands. The righteous live by faith because they place their faith in someone, not something. And I love that Jesus blesses people and then he challenges them and then they follow him in droves. Right? He doesn't make it easy. He's always upping the ante and making this religion that a little more difficult, seemingly, right? But the people are drawn to him. Why? Because he exemplifies it and he enables it. He says, You are the salt and the life of the earth. Go be light and salty. So what's your story? As we go through these commands and as you think about your life, what's making you squirm? Where does sin still have a hold on your life? And what are you doing about it? How are you justifying it? Do you find that you're more prone to saying, well, at least I didn't do this? Or are you trying to to plea bargain with God? Say, well, I, I did all these other things. Doesn't that count for something? Or are you recognizing your spiritual bankruptcy as we talked about last week and saying, Jesus, my faith and my hope is in you. And it's through following you and living the life like you lived it that I'll bring about wholeness. So church, the world is, is bent, broken, and jacked up in a number of different ways. But there is still hope. Hope. Even if it's just us in this room, there is still hope. Why? Because Jesus is in it with us. We are not a salt. We are the salt. We are not a type of light. We are the only light. And we've been called to live a life that demands an explanation. To live a life in such a way that the, other, the rest of the world will take notice and that unbelievers will find compelling. Is your life lived that way? Is your life lived in such a way where people will look at what you do and how you live and what you say and, and the way that you are and say, there's something different about them and, and there's something compelling there. I want what they have. What is it? And are you prepared and willing to say, that's no, not my actions it's not my ideas it's what Jesus has done and, is in, and continues to do in me because that's the thing Jesus, is, Jesus has one plan and that's us he says you are my salt you are my light I am rather fond of you you are the way that connects them to me will you go out and be reconcilers? Will you go out and compel people to come toward me? Because it's the only way. And so we do this by living reconciled lives. So as you're here today, are there there people from whom you need to ask forgiveness? Because here's the thing, it isn't by crushing and oppressing our neighbor that, that we live in in Jesus' kingdom. It's through service. Through humility. And we see that Jesus does this to the point that gets him killed, right? It doesn't always go well in the short term. But it always goes well in the long. So like salt... On our own we are nothing but added to something and we make it so much more. Salt and light lose nothing when they're given away. So today may we be light and salty. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us. Lord, would you help us to understand Who we are, how you've been created, and how you've called us to be image bearers of you. As your salt and as your light, we are called to go out into the world, and we're called to exemplify you. It is a great challenge that You've put before us to live a perfect life, but we know that through faith in You, that You will enable us to live that life. And God, we thank You that You speak into our hearts, calling us Yours, expressing Your fondness for us, with us, every step of the way.
1: Amen. Let's stand.
0: May you as salt and light exalt the Lord. May you go out as ambassadors of the kingdom carrying with you the dominion and the power of the King exemplifying His ways to a world who seeks to know Him and know wholeness. Go in peace. I suppose you want to know where you want where you're to go. (laughs) Does anybody else smell charcoal? I smell charcoal. Is anybody else getting excited? I'm getting excited. Okay, so the way that we're going to do this, this is going to be different. This is going to be a little bit new. So I'm going to give you some instructions and we're going to go for it. So this is a pilot run of potluck barbecue style out in the garage. So there may be a few things that don't go right and we're just gonna roll with that, that's no big deal because at the end of the day, it's a backyard barbecue. It's just on a concrete pad surrounded by a brick wall so we don't get rained on, so it's cool. All right, so what's gonna happen? Uh, If you've got meat or uh, other things you wanna go on the grill that are either in the refrigerator or in your car, go ahead and go out and grab those. Brian and PJ and some others have already set up the tables and the chairs and have the grills going out in the garage. So go ahead and head on down the ramp here walk uh, west along the sidewalk you'll figure it out there will be smoke which means that there will be fire and you can put your things on that fire and then uh, eric schiller has brought a beanbag set we've got some ping pong tables that are set up chris griffith brought some extra paddles Uh, we have we'll close the back door if it gets nice we'll open it we have some snow fence in front of that so the kids can run around and be crazy if you showed up here and you're like i don't have food well uh, stay as our guest, because we have lots of food. And uh, I know there's this thing in the Midwest where we're like, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to impose all... No, just bring some next time. It's cool. Don't be silly. Join us. We usually have some gluten-free options, some dairy-free options, and some very meat-heavy options. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that we bless this t- you would bless this time together. Help us to learn to to know one another, to practice this reconciled life. Bless this food to our bodies, the conversation that we're about to have, and the time that we're going to have with one another. So grab a plate, grab some food, throw some stuff on the grill, hang out, let's have a good time. Let's do it.